When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. The High Atlas Challenge, the ISPCC charity trek in Morocco. On Saturday, the 5th of October this year, a group of 10 intrepid volunteers, including RTE Radio's John Kenny, departed from Dublin for the ISPCC High Atlas Mountain Challenge in Morocco. This is their story. Perhaps it was the timing, turning 40 last year, but I began to look for a challenge. Call it a midlife crisis, if you will, but for some reason I needed to do something that wasn't just a sun holiday. Lying on the beach has its advantages, of course, but I get itchy around the third day looking for something else, which drives those around me mad. Having said that, I didn't deliberately set out to do something like a hike, but when Louise Lynch of the ISPCC sent out a mail shot looking for some publicity for their High Atlas Mountain Challenge in Morocco... The picture of a hiker standing atop a mountain caught my attention. I don't know why. We get a fair number of mail shots, but I immediately decided I'd publicise the walk. Not only that, I wanted to take part. So with the help of Gareth O'Callaghan's show on 2FM, I raised the necessary sponsorship. Spent six weeks losing a stone and weight. I got onto a fitness regime which included cycling up to 30 miles four days a week in preparation for the challenge. After an initial meeting with Des Clark of Nomadic Ventures, who was organising the hike, and some of those taking part... I was in. Thus, on Saturday, the 5th of October 2002, a gang of 10 departed from Dublin Airport for Agadir en route to her overnight stop in Taradant, some 100 kilometres from the country's top holiday destination. Day one, Sunday. Dry, bright, and sunny, some 36 degrees in Taradant, and a taxi ride to her lunch and a pickup point for the camionette, which is an open top lorry that would take us to the first of our overnight stops in Tuguga the first of the traditional Berber villages who would be our host over the coming days. The lunch stop on that first day gave me a chance to talk to Des Clark, the group leader, about the challenge ahead. I always say it's an introduction if you want to go on a supported track. Before you go off to the Himalayas for three weeks, you can come to somewhere from Morocco for a week and you have a fully supported track. You kind of get used to going from one place to another, getting animals to carry all your baggage and, you know, culturally, it's uh, very different. Yeah. So it's a great way to, to go on a track. 
And the hike as well that we're doing or facing up to in the next week isn't that demanding in terms of, of height and distance perhaps. The weather would probably be the, the one thing we wouldn't be used to. Yeah, well it particularly is hot now, isn't it? But certainly up in the mountains at night time it got particularly cold. So there's huge variations between hot and cold. Uh, the altitude, we'll be going up to about uh, over 3,000 metres, so that will take a bit of acclimatisation, but we build into that over a couple of days uh, rather than go obviously straight up, which we wouldn't be able to do. In terms of, of your business, are you finding more and more people are getting involved and being interested in this kind of thing? They are. There's obviously uh, repeat business, uh, word of mouth, and uh, obviously new people coming along as well. Uh, between the Alps, Morocco and South America, uh, you know, people are, are interested. Maybe from the Alps, more kind of climbing aspect, go to South America or somewhere like Morocco, interested in interacting with the people as well. So is this part of a progression that basically you start in Morocco and then move along to the bigger mountains? Or You can do, yeah. People have come back to Morocco time and time again just because they like to come back to the warmth of the people and what have you. Uh, but often people like to go to South America, which I suppose is a lot further away and uh, much bigger glaciated mountains, which you don't have here. So why exactly were 10 of us, two men and eight women here? And what did the ISBCC expect to get out of the week? Here's Louise Lynch, the challenge organiser. It, it creates a, a raise awareness among people through each person fundraising, the people that they're reaching out to to fundraise, and also um, in the publicity that goes attached with the walk in itself. So it, it's a bit of both. But the idea is to get people involved in learning with the ISPCC and fundraising. Well, that kind of worked then, basically, for the uninitiated, do the ISPCC do? We basically, um, in relation to our services, um, we would provide Chiline, which is probably one of the most highest profile, um, which is the free phone service for uh, for children, um, which is also children from zero to 18. Um, then we have LANAB, which is our child begging programme, um, which is a pilot programme started about three years ago. We have STEPS, which is a call-in centre, which is a one-to-one, which is more like a counselling service, similar to Chiline. Um, everything that we do is actually completely confidential. And then also we have uh, child consultation workers who are kind of child support workers, uh, drug awareness programmes and training officers. There's a very, they would be the, the core group that we would do, we would have. So it's quite a wide range of stuff that you actually do then? Yeah, yeah. And then we also have this uh, crib which is based at the, um, our Centre for Rights Information for Kids. They know exactly what they, at all times, at any of the EU convention rights that we make sure they're basically fulfilled and, and to educate children what, they, what their rights are. So it's just to try and give them some empowerment themselves. And from a personal point of view, you're not just sitting at home fundraising, you're actually taking part in this. So this is something you'd like to do? Yes, everybody, including myself, has had to fundraise to be on the walk. So everybody's had to struggle with raffle tickets and everything like that. So um, And a big thank you to everybody that supported everybody that's here on this walk. Um, and it is 36 degrees at the moment and we're pumping full of sweat. So that's pretty much the message from everybody here. And everybody's doing well. No, no injuries yet. While we were speaking, we were interrupted by the call to prayer from the nearby mosque, a call we were to hear regularly over the next six days. Not unusual in a predominantly Muslim country. We then followed a three-hour trip on the back of the caminette, which took us towards the foothills of the impressive-looking High Atlas Range, followed by an hour-long walk to Taguga and our first day with the Berbers. Berbers make up a majority of the population of North Africa, but in terms of identity, a considerable minority. Berbers represent 80% of the population in Morocco and Algeria, more than 60% in Tunisia and Libya, and 2% in Egypt, making up more than 50 million people. In addition, there's about 4 million Berbers living in Europe, mainly in France. But as the Arabization has swept away the indigenous language from many regions, as well as the Berber identity, many people with Berber forefathers are now claiming to be Arabs. The origin of Berbers is not certain either, 
Some believe they may have come from Europe, but it's safest to consider the Berbers as the original population of North Africa. They often live in the mountains and in smaller settlements, and the conversion of Berbers to Islam took centuries, and in many areas Islam didn't catch on until the 16th century. Of the major cities in North Africa, only Marrakesh has a population with a Berber identity. The Berber dominance in the mountains comes from the days of the Arab conquest, when the Arabs took control of the cities but left the countryside. Until a few years ago, being Berber was considered to be second class, rather like the Indians in America, the Aboriginals in Australia and the Laps in Norway. As with other indigenous people in the world, Berbers are now protesting against the undervaluation of their culture and identity, the absence of a written language and about having little political influence. We found them, though, to be a charming, hospitable people who emerged from the villages to offer us mint tea. One of our guides, Omar, outlined their eagerness to meet Western travellers. He liked to, to have the... The another person to come in to to see him and to, to talk to the, the the people. Not many Western people though come here. A lot of Western people who would come to Morocco would holiday in Agadir or Casablanca, Marrakesh, but they do not come to the high Atlas Mountains. Look, no, the mountains very good for working. For it's very quiet. It's not noisy. It's very good. And the Berber people themselves, um, very friendly, very warm, very welcoming kind of people. They don't mind people coming to the villages, no? No, the, the, the Berber people, they like to, to see the to tourism. After a restless night spent in the village of Tuguga, sleep for some reason wasn't easy, Monday was the day of the first real test. The trek to the high Tisca Plateau meant a long day's walk and a steep ascent up some 10,000 feet, which would give some of the group a tough start to the week. We first got the chance, though, to see an authentic Berber market before setting off, and for one of the ten of the challenge, Rhonda Stoneman, it was a fascinating start to the day. They don't actually look unhappy in the state that they live in. It's just uh, their way of living. You know, just to us, it looks quite impoverished or poverty stricken but they look quite happy and overall what's this, this challenge ahead now we're just looking at the main mountains that we're going to climb what's your expectations of, of doing this what what will drive you on uh, I suppose like to uh, tone up the glutes <laughs> <laughs> and really just um, you just have to do it then the climb began but an hour into the hike I wasn't feeling too bad uh, about an hour into the walk it's not so bad the uh, lower hearts were Kind of difficult, but we're heading kind of downhill now, following the mules. And it's not so bad. Just kind of got my pace going. It's really just about a matter of keeping your pace. It's just quite hot, but it's kind of clouded over. So it's kind of cool, so it's not so bad. However, as we climbed, it got tougher. Although the regime I put myself through prior to the week was paying dividends, and I was able to keep up with the lead guide, Ahmed, as well as Dez... Suzanne and Wendy, who were the first over the climb. Uh, you can probably hear it's quite windy where we are here. We've actually reached the top of the, the Tish mountain. Um, it's a good climb, around two and a half thousand metres. Took us about four hours. Mules are ahead of us heading off to base camp. We're just going to stop for a bite of lunch. Uh, it's actually quite cool up here. That cloud cover is quite substantial. Down the valley is pretty warm, about 36 degrees up here. I'd say it's only about 10, so we're actually quite warm at the bottom of the valley, but quite cool up here. Um, we have another four or five hours to go now before the end of this day, but uh, it was tough climbing. Well, once we're here now, it's kind of downhill most of the way to where we're staying overnight. So that's not so bad, although it's a bit windy as you can hear. It's cold too. 
For some, though, it wasn't easy. Laura Grimes said she wasn't prepared for the sheer vertical nature of the climb. I really thought, this is it, I can't go any further and I'm too scared to go back down, I'm going to be stuck here. I don't know, a little touch of vertigo or something, but certainly getting up to the top compensates for any feeling that I had coming up here. It's fantastic. So when you decided to do this challenge, I mean, it's not like you haven't walked before, you've walked across India before and parts of India before, so, but you're not really prepared for this because it was quite steep, wasn't it? It was, and most of the walk in India was on the flat. But there again, I mean, this isn't a holiday as such, so you've got to have something in it that's a bit of a challenge for yourself. And I suppose, for me, having a bit of vertigo going up a mountain is seriously going to be a bit of a challenge. Well, the first climb and day two over. Day three of the High Atlas Challenge dawns. Time for a geography lesson from Des Clark about the Tishka Plateau. Uh, the Tishka Plateau is uh, really like a lost valley. There's uh, peaks on the north side and on the south side. We came up from the south side yesterday and we're on a sort of a flat plateau area with high peaks behind us and in front of us. We're beside a lot of uh, stone, uh, low stone buildings, which are called Azebs, and um, they're basically used by the farmers to bring up their sheep and goats in the summer. They'd uh, sleep here during the summer months. They'd come up from the villages, maybe where we came up from, or from the uh, remote villages on the northern side, and they'd stay uh, in these villages, in these azebs, uh, you know, for for you know weeks on end, really. You know, <laughs> the azebs are two parts to them, really. One is where the shepherds would sleep, which is. Uh, you know, covered over, but you'd hard, you'd be hard pushed to even stand in the thing. And then just outside that, there's a sort of a pen for the uh, flock, just to just stay pushed. You know, the actual grazing in here is quite controlled, because uh, in the su- in the spring you can come here and there's a huge amount of uh, little daisy type flowers and stuff. So it's not um, sort of you don't have <laughs> hordes and hordes of sheep just overgrazing it down to nothing, you know. But it is controlled by the Berber clans on uh, either side of the plateau. But it is quite a fertile plateau, this area, isn't it? It is, yeah. Like, basically, uh, the stream that we're uh, camped beside uh, goes all the way down and uh, it forms quite a big river, uh, big river the Wet Nafis, which uh, flows towards Tupkal direction, uh, flows in an easterly direction and becomes a really deep gorge with old oak wood, uh, the kind of thing that you might be used to down in some parts of uh, the Killarney National Park. Uh, so although we, we're beside a little stream now, it drains a huge area, so it is quite a big fertile area. Of course, we're very high, so uh, like even yesterday we had a sprinkling of rain, uh, but certainly in the winter this area is just covered with snow. And what's the expectations then for today? You know, you, you have said to the group that you know, today could be optional f- to go walking if you feel tough from yesterday, but having spoke to most of them this morning, they're all up for it this today. So what's the expectation? What are we going to see in front of us today? Yeah, what we're going to do is walk to the northern edge of the, uh, the Tishka Plateau, go to a, a tizzy there, which is tizzy is uh, Berber for a pass or a saddle, and look down dramatic views down the northern side. The whole northern side is just rimmed by high cliffs, and then there's little villages, uh, little Berber villages down at the bottom of that. So we'll walk to that, and then what way we come back, we can see what way the group wants to do. We might split up or uh, have a wander around the northern edge, you know. This was the most exhilarating day I found of the whole week. Two small climbs followed by a sheer ascent to around 3,000 metres in the Tichka Plateau, 
The group returned to their tented residence high up in the mountain that night and an opportunity to break out the duty-free, which led to much merriment in the high altitude and an impromptu drumming session by the guides and muleteers carved out on tin cans, water containers and lumps of wood. The memories of that around the blazing campfire in sub-zero temperatures beneath the sky with the highest concentration of stars I've ever witnessed will live long in my memory at least. Day four, again cold and crisp as we leave our tents and head out for the longest day. We didn't know it yet, but this was to be our toughest day of the week. Well, it's around 10 o'clock in the morning on uh, Wednesday morning. We're about to head off to the next Berber village. We spent two nights camping out here in the open here. It's been quite cold at night, but everybody's just kind of muddled in together, make sure that everybody keeps warm. Most important thing about this trip, I kind of realise after a while, is the hygiene element. You've got to make sure that the water's clean, put your iodine tablets in, uh, wait 30 minutes and put the neutraliser in as well to make sure because you can get pretty sick. In fact, one of the guides here yesterday was pretty sick, but we think it was actually something he ate. Uh, nobody else has suffered from any serious problems so far. Perhaps tiredness and lack of sleep. Besides of that, everybody's in good health. It was to get tougher. And the Tizzy Targa, which is the call of the big river. We're about halfway up the mountain. This is not easy. And yesterday I kind of burnt myself out. We walked a bit too fast. But I think everybody in the group was feeling exactly the same way. It's the longest day, it's about a 20 kilometre hike. And what I can see above me is just... how it's breathtaking, has to say. But it's a sheer face. Our two guides, Omar and Ahmed. Well, there's Fiddles Fiddles. And they're just above us, as you probably can hear. Um, it just seems like a never-ending climb here. And we're going right up into the mist. Whew. Once over the top of the two climbs of the day, the exhilaration was evident. <sighs> oh, we did it. First over the top. Not bad. height here again about nine and a half ten thousand feet it's the altitude that gets you though I consider myself to be fit enough but I tell you when you start to run out of oxygen altitude here that's hard work and we made it and for bank clerk Gillian O'Driscoll the week was going better than she could ever have expected yeah I know it's exhilarating when you Look, you, you come back to camp and you can see how far you've climbed that day and got, you know, done a lovely trek and it's just absolutely amazing. I am delighted I am. Yeah. You you work in a bank and yeah. uh, I mean, it's, it, you'd say yourself, perhaps the job isn't the most exhilarating job in the world. This is the kind of thing that you'd like to do more often perhaps, is it? Yeah, definitely. I think I'm hooked now. <laughs> Once more, a 3,000 metre climb before the final descent. I found the descent to be even harder than the climb. The terrain was rough and rock-strewn, and one had to keep full concentration on the slippery surface to avoid falling and possibly breaking a leg. Well, at this stage, we've, today, gone over two major peaks, the height of Cairn Tuhul, and come down one size of Crow Patrick, 
We were about an hour from the Berber village on the Wednesday afternoon. Uh, it's been tough coming down here, I must say. The backs of my legs are absolutely killing me. But uh, I'm still up with the league group, which isn't so bad. There's uh, one, two, six of us. Uh, one of the guides, Omar, uh, behind us, the second guide, is with the rest of the, the group who've been a little bit slow coming down the mountains. One or two have had problems with vertigo and a bit afraid of heights. And I tell you, if you did suffer from it, you certainly would have problems with it here because it's certainly a sheer drop as where I'm walking here along a kind of a windy mountain path where the shepherds bring the sheep up and goats to graze just before the winter comes in and the snow starts to fall. But after a seven and a half hour day, the toughest of the week, the site of the Berber village at Tagumut in the Medlawa Valley, in which we were to spend the next two nights, was a godsend. And once again, the local hospitality was gracious and welcoming. We even had the luxury of a full body massage from two of our guides in the sauna in the village, a sauna which had a dual function of heating the bakery next door. After four days without a full body wash, it was heaven on earth. Cleaned and refreshed by our evening meals, most of us just flopped into our beds to sleep away the rigours of the day. But not before I got the chance to talk to the youngest members of the group, Mary Nicholson and Judith Dillon. Well, outside of Des, I think I'm the oldest in the group. I went to the youngest as well. Now, how are you feeling, Judith? Absolutely wrecked, but thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, on a complete buzz now after it. Um, feeling great, still standing, which is a good thing. So, can't complain. Mary, what was the worst part of the day for you now in those seven hours? Probably the seventh hour, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, like Judith, it was brilliant. Really, really enjoyed it. I'm really pleased with myself that I did it. Yeah. And just the things that we saw along the way. So what kind of kick are you getting out of this, Judith? Is it just enjoyment of walking around with, with people or... You know, what kind of goals are you trying to achieve this week from this? It's a mixture of a lot of things. Um, one, to see that I could actually achieve it, which is a big thing for me, and interacting then with others, and particularly to get that sense of that you're, it's, it's a real experience and you are becoming um, very much integrated in their culture and trying to get a good experience of their culture and to see mm. what they do and what's, what is the difference between theirs and ours. It is very important, all right, you know, because we can become sometimes cosseted in our own little world back in Ireland to get to places like this where very few Western people, if any, come. They're in Marrakesh and Agadir on holidays, but they don't come up here. Yeah, and it's like a total extreme to our own culture. Ireland being very materialistic at the moment and come to see how people can live on the side of a mountain um, with such a basic existence but to see how they actually have made an existence for themselves and how they are surviving on it. Mm. And Mary, a um, couple of days to go. Have you enjoyed the whole experience so far? I've had an amazing time. Again, like Judith, I wanted to see if I could do it. I got a fierce amount of ribbon at home when I told people I was going because they didn't think I could climb the stairs, never mind the mountain. And then just meeting all these different people, the group itself, everyone has been great crack. Um, I've just thoroughly enjoyed it. With that, most of us collapsed into the sleep of the dead, except yours truly, who just couldn't get shut-eye, which I found weird because, if you forgive the pun, I can usually sleep on the side of a mountain. Still, it wasn't unpleasant and gave me the chance to catch up on my reading. The night was still, the stars are plenty, and the whole experience I found much to my liking. Day five wasn't as punishing as the previous one. A two-hour walk to a rock pool in another Berber village and a chance to get to talk to our guide, Omar. Well, yesterday, I must say, was an extremely tough day for a lot of us. One person, though, perhaps didn't feel it as much as one of our guides, Omar, who's with me now as we take a little break. Um, Omar, tell me some of the work that you do as a guide. Okay, I am a guide. I work with the Chukuga Adventure, and uh, it's a full year I will do this work. 
It's very good, and I'm happy to do it. From your own point of view, uh, where did this take you on to? Uh, you, you said you were to me you were going to France to to do some student work. Y- yes, when uh, always when the August, or July and August, I go to the France for uh, work, and uh, then in November I return back to Morocco for work. You, you have four languages: uh, Arabic and English, obviously, are two of those, and Berber as well. Mm. And Berber is. Um, the villages were staying in the Berber villages and were surrounded by two or three of them and just down the rocks was uh, some of the Berber children as well. I found them very hospitable, very friendly, very warm people. But it, it is a very nomadic existence. Basically, they're on their own and not a lot of people know of them. They seem happy enough, though. They're well-fed, um, nice people. Yes, it's very nice, yes. An evening baking break with the locals followed and a chance to look out over the breathtaking scenery offered by the high Atlas Mountains. The call to prayer rang up the valley as we ended the day in high spirits. The sixth and final day was the last trek, downhill to meet the camionette, which would take us back to Taradant, a chance to catch up on the week's hiking and a chat to Wendy Byrne, a long-time hiker. Was this the toughest of the lot? Yeah, definitely the hardest. I think the changes in temperature between the heat and the cold really shook me for 10. Where have you been before? Uh, Nepal, India, Thailand. And what made this one so much dif- more different? As I said, the, the temperature changes. I mean, roasting one day, freezing the next day, the altitude, everything. Yeah. Just was a tough, a tough trek. And I those thought. other treks that you've done before, there were much flatter terrain, was it? Not, not as intense as here, really. You know, just a lot more gentle. And, like the last couple of days have been lovely and all the rest, but I think Monday took an awful lot out of me anyway. Yeah, that was that straight climb up. Oh, desperate. Uh, the longest day as well, that, that seven-hour trek as well. Uh, different people had different uh, ideas about that. Some of us came down a bit stronger, some of us not so. How did you feel on that day? Fine. Great. I was buzzing from that, actually, so much so that the next day I was knackered. I think I came down a little bit too fast, you know? Yeah. And, and in the future, you say you've done about four or five of those, these walks. Will you keep walking and, and doing this kind of stuff? Yeah, uh, definitely. It's good to... You end up with a bunch of people that are kind of like-minded and here we're walking for a good cause as well, which is great. So I'd definitely be into doing them again. For organiser Lou Lynch, it was the end of a long but special week. I think it's been, for everybody here, has learned loads about the the organisation, the people involved in it. I think it's uh, been a huge learning experience for everybody that's um, even to... For us to see other kids in other countries, um, how lucky we actually do have it. so that's a great thing to bring back home. Um, in relation to everybody that's taken part, I think they've really there were some really really hard days out there. We should agree. And even myself, one day I told that it wouldn't let you make it down on the days. Um, and it made you, what what actually kept you going was the reason you were doing it was a charity walk, and um, it was enduring. It was cold at night. It was rough raw the whole way through. And I think that's the fact. If we were doing it for ourselves, I don't think we would have done it. Mm. Uh, you know, to be honest. And I'm just so proud of, at this very moment, so, so proud of you, John. <laughs> How's the feet? <laughs> and, um, and, and everybody. Um, and the fact that people here who didn't know a lot about the organisation took on to do for us is brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. There's one thing you alluded to there. It was the uh, children of the villages we passed through, especially in the last couple of days, now the Berber villages we stayed in. Uh, and you got a chance to look at their schooling system, which is pretty raw, pretty primitive. And yeah. we did leave some stuff behind, some school supplies. Uh, but it does give you uh, things to think about, really, doesn't it? Oh, completely. Like um, the, 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 us trying to match up school cases and, uh, and bags and this, that and the other. Like, they don't have that. Um, we, we left pens and uh, colouring books in the schools and like 
it's like gold around here. Um, so and I, and I know there's places all around the world exactly like that, but to see it firsthand is very, very hard. And they are basic, and they are literally in the situations of the, the schools are deadly, like they're right on the top of mountains. But the great thing, at least there is an education of some form here for them. Yeah. Now you, a couple of months ago, decided that this was a good project to take on board for the ISPC, ISPCC's point of view. Do you think overall it's been a success and will you do another one in the future? Uh, yeah, we took it on. We, we're not a charity known for our charity walks and um, so I wanted to do a smaller group. Um, definitely, as you know, it has been a rough one um, and just kind of get it back to basics. Um, and yeah, we will do it again and we will do it in the exact same way though. Um, Nomadic Ventures have been fantastic. Um, we did a joint, we asked them to come on board and they are basically our experienced eyes over here because we're not um, and I think it's been a, the best way to do it keep it small get back to raw and keep it a nice challenge which it is everyone's stuck together and it's been a real team effort and it's been great really really good So the week had come to an end the ten of us plus our guides clambered into the truck for one final time and as you can hear the truck behind us is taking us back to Tarnant the walk is finally over everybody happy? Yeah! <laughs> The ISBCC say they're hopeful of doing another hike in 2003 to highlight their services. In 2001, over 735,000 calls were made to their Childline service. They could only answer a fraction of that. They need to raise almost three and a quarter million euros in 2002 just to maintain current services. The ISBCC need funding to survive. If you're interested, call them on Dublin 679 4944. That's Dublin. 679-4944 or check out their website www.ispcc.ie for more details The High Atlas Mountain Challenge was my first trek Ten of us survived the week It was terrific fun I made some great friends It may not be my last When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.